Real Presence Live. That which is beautiful will manifest itself in truth and in goodness. Local. The challenges that we're facing in our generation, we just need the gospel. I mean, every every culture, every generation just needs to know how the gospel applies. Engaging. We don't bring any life at all to the church. The church is, is the life. It gives us the life. Live. The reality is, He is all things beautiful, capital B. And so anything that is authentically beautiful draws us, even if we don't realize it, to God. And good morning, everybody. This is Real Presence Live. How are you this morning? Thank you for joining us, and thank you for staying with us. The next couple hours, we're going to have some great conversations um, and happy Solemnity of the Annunciation. We're going to have some great conversations. This is Steve Splonskowski in studio with Roxanne Solomon. Good morning, Roxanne. Good morning. I noticed you said solemnity very carefully. That's always a hard word to get out. Solemnity. You know, yeah. It's a beautiful word. It but. is. And I, I, I don't know the difference between solemnities and feasts, so you have to look it up. I know there's a comparison there, so look it up. But today, we're call- it's a solemnity um, of the Annunciation. And what a beautiful feast. Oh, sorry. What a beautiful celebration. <laughs> Um, to have within Lent. But we'll talk more about that. Before we get too deep into the conversation, let's start our morning with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful, and kindle in them the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and they shall be created, and you shall renew the face of the earth. Dear Lord, we come before you, your Son's, and daughters. We thank you for drawing us to yourself and becoming one of us, taking on human nature, your creation, to journey with us and to show us how to love, how to serve, and how to be, and how to be. We ask that you guide our conversation today. We give you this entire two hours. We give you this entire day. And we ask that you make all that we do worthy of you. And Mary, our mothers, as we celebrate today, your yes, your fiat to the Lord's call, though you did not know the entire path, you did not know the entire journey, you trusted absolutely you trusted courageously in the Lord's goodness. Show us that path in our lives. Walk with us along that journey that we may draw others to the Lord and continue to be ourselves drawn to the Lord in this life that we live. And so we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And what a great feast, sorry, solemnity to celebrate as well, because the angel Gabriel came to Our Lady, and you know who the patron of Communications is, Roxanne? St. Gabriel. There you go. Because the word angel, angelos, right, comes from the Greek word, which is to announce. And we in Catholic Radio are here to announce the good news. So what a great uh, celebration today. And to help us with the celebration, 
We have in studio with us, Mary Hanbury. Good morning, Mary. Good morning, Steve. How are you today? Very good. Excellent. Great solemnity. Oh, it's awesome. Which we'd like to feast about so we can say feast solemnity. Okay, Mary said we can say feast, so now when I say it, I'm not wrong. Yeah, well, and I think you can say it. You said celebration. I think yes. either would yeah. apply, right? Right, right, so, right. Yeah. And, and, and Mary's got her tea there, and she <laughs> yeah. looks very pleased and happy and warm, so we're, we're ready for a nice, soothing conversation here. Exactly. It's a little cold out here. Yeah. So we're going to enter into this conversation. We're going to talk about um, the Annunciation and in art. And so if you want to, if you're by your computer or if you're by your phone, which everybody's by their phone, right? You can look up Fra Angelico, F-R-A-A-N-G-E-L-I-C-O, Fra Angelico. We're going to look at a picture of the Annunciation, and Mary's going to talk about that a little bit. So I'm going to give you, I'm just kind of giving you the, the heads up here. I want you to pull it up because otherwise we're talking about it and you won't be able to see it. Yes, Roxanne. It's also on our Facebook page. So oh, if good. you go to Real Presence Radio, you will find that right there. Perfect. So you don't even have to type in the word. Just type in our Much Real Presence better. Radio. Mm-hmm. All right. Go to the Real Presence Radio webpage. Um, and pull that up, the Fra Angelico picture, um, because we're going to talk about that. So, Mary, tell us a little bit about your passion for sacred art. I do. Well, you probably know, too, I have a passion for pilgrimage. And mm. so the two of them <clears throat> in my history kind of went together. I'm the director of catechesis for the Diocese of Fargo, and I also have my own pilgrimage business, and I love going on pilgrimage. But, you know, my grandmother was an artist, so I was always interested in art growing up. I don't have the talent for art, but I'm interested, especially like in art history. How does it affect our culture and our faith? Um, and so in, cl- in college, I would take some art appreciation classes and just always had an eye for it. I always liked art museums. But, you know, it wasn't until I was on pilgrimage. Oh, gosh, I don't know how many years ago this was. Probably like 15 years ago. Um, and we were in Rome at uh, a church that houses the paintings of Caravaggio. It was the, it's the French National Church, actually. And it was actually Monsignor Gehring who uh, was leading our pilgrimage. And he was standing there looking at the Caravaggios. He was talking to the group about them. And he just went on and on about all the different symbolisms and why he loves that painting so much. It's called the Matthew. And I was just memorized, like, he got all of that out of that painting. I mean, I love the painting, too, but I really never looked at these very carefully. You know, you just kind of look at them and go, like, I like the colors in that. I like the, the, what it's depicting. But it really struck him, and that struck me. And then, I got to tell you, a few years later, this is back in 2012, we took, um, Monsignor and I actually, again, took a group of young adults. Their first time in Rome, I think it was 17 of them or something like that. And we did everything. We got to see Pope Benedict. We got seats like up top. We got to go to Assisi. We, d- we saw a ton of Rome, did lots of cool stuff. But one of the things we did was we went to St. John Lateran, which is the Pope's Cathedral. And there's these different reliefs up at the top of the church as you walk down the name of the church. What's a relief? Uh, so it, mm, it, we- it's a piece of art that uh, kind of sticks out, okay. I guess you could say. Um, it's not completely fat, flat, I should say that. Okay, it's like, like a sculptural... Like 3D art. Yeah, kind of like <laughs> 3D art. Anyway, and they're really up high, so most people don't even notice them. So Monsignor had seen these before, and he wanted to show the students, okay, so we're going to take a look at the art reliefs on the top, because the one side is the Old Testament, and the other side is the New Testament. And he said, and they relate. We would call this typology, how the Old Testament foreshadows the, the New Testament. And so he would start, like, okay, so this one is a relief of um, Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden. Okay, they could all figure that out. He's saying, now, this one over here is the crucifixion. And they'd be, okay. he go, how does that relate? Like, what is the, being kicked out of the garden? The original sin, well, okay, Jesus Christ is being nailed on the cross, the tree from the wood of the garden kind of thing. is. Anyway, uh, like, again, Noah's Ark. 
the, the waters. They, they, they could recognize, okay, that looks like Noah's Ark and people are drowning. But how does that relate to Jesus being baptized? The waters, okay? So anyway, we went down the aisle and did this back and forth, and they were just memorized. And at the very end of that trip, we always did a sharing of graces. Now, like I said, we did a lot that trip. They got to do, oh, the archives, the, uh, the Vatican archives were on display that year, so they got to see letters from St. Catherine of Siena and Abraham Lincoln and Henry VIII. I mean, it was so cool, everything they got to do. And three of them mentioned their, their grace of seeing those reliefs. They had never mm-hmm. heard of that typology before. They had never had made that connection in art. And I thought, there's something here. Well, in the history of the church, that's why we decorate our churches, not because we're iconoclast, right? We're not, right, we, don't, we, right. don't, we don't worship these things. It's, kind of, it's a teaching tool for us, correct? Right, right. And that's how people used to learn the catechesis. Basically, you couldn't read or write, and so you would read the paintings on the wall and learn about your church. And, and two, uh, it helps us for liturgy. So if I'm supposed to be entering into the heavenly liturgy during Mass, I kind of want to look at pictures of heaven. You know, that helps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thus the phrase, a picture is worth a thousand words. Exactly. <laughs> Before well, you I, have the print press. I was going to say, I'm a very visual learner. And this summer I took a course where we were doing an online prayer thing with Liz Kelly and we were doing Lexio Divina. And sometimes if I would have had a hard time grasping a certain, some words, I would go look it up on my phone and find the visual. And then I could enter into that space a little bit deeper. You yes. know, So art yeah. really draws us in and can allow us, like you said, to contemplate and understand. Right, right, exactly. In reference to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 2502 talks a little bit about the distinction between art and sacred art. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, uh, obviously we all know what art is. Um, There's modern art and there's secular art, but sacred art is that which is sacred, basically. It's about God. So, it's holy, it's Um, Now, there's a difference between maybe we could say religious art and sacred art. Sometimes it's just depicting a religious art could be um, somebody, uh, just a picture of them praying. Okay, that wouldn't be something we might put at the the high altar, basically, you know. Um, So there's different realms of what we would call religious art or sacred art. But it brings us closer. It should bring us closer to God as I contemplate it. Mm -hmm. And so... As we were going to get into the picture on the other side of the rake here, folks, but I want to talk a little bit about this artist. We're going to Fra Angelico again, F R A, um, Fra Angelico, and uh, tell us actually what what does that mean? Is that was his first name really Fra, or no, was no. it mean like Friar? No, or, you know, so yeah, tell us about that uh, name. it's Italian, probably for like uh, like Friar, brother, or that kind of thing. Um, and Angelico was his last name, correct? Angel? Huh. No, it means no. angel. So this is his okay. religious name, actually. Okay, was, so what's his real name? I think it, I'm looking here if I had it down. It might be Guido. Okay. I don't know if I... Hey, Guido. Yeah. Just call me Angelico. Okay. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure that I, I remember his, his, his birth name, but Fra Angelico mm-hmm. is his religious name. Brother Eli, Angel, you said something. basically. What? Oh, Blessed, blessed John of Fiesol. Oh, Blessed John know. of Fiesol. Is that right? On the internet. Okay. Eli says so yes. Okay. Okay. But anyway, so cool. his but his popular name is Frangelico. Yeah, it's his religious name. So okay. yeah. All right. Very good. And tell us a little bit about him. So what's his what's his background? So he was a Dominican friar back in the 1400s. He lived in Florence. He was a painter, uh, and so he he actually started by painting different pictures in his brother's cells. And so you can, it's a museum today, so you can go see it. And you walk in, and one is a picture of the Nativity, and one is a picture of the Crucifixion, and and all the way around. I often wondered, like, what if you it was Lent and you got the Nativity one? 
I kind of want to be in the crucifixion one or, you know, the Lenten ones. I'm like, did they switch? I'm not quite sure how yeah. that worked. <laughs> we did a tour of that one we time. Did. When yeah, we, we did. Yeah, we did. It just yeah. kind of makes this like a sense of you come to your, you know, your friend's room and say, hey, can I, can I paint on your wall? Okay. What are you going to paint? Well, I'll let you know. But it's yeah, kind of a- basically, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Uh, and he, he was well known uh, as a painter. And so the popes did bring him down to Rome. He did paint um, one room in the Vatican, I believe, but it's usually off. It's not on the public tour kind of thing. Uh, he's painted, there's uh, some stuff of him in, um, oh, let's say Orvieto has some, and then Cortona, that's where this painting is from. So they're, they're kind of all over, mostly in the north of Tuscany. But Yeah, yeah. so a well-known painter. He is, and yeah. he is buried in Rome, right? At one of the He is, because the Pope called him to Rome to paint, and that's where he died. And so... Uh, the Italians or the Romans were like, okay, therefore we keep him, because there's Dominicans in Rome too. So he is buried in uh, uh, Santa Maria de Popolo. No, uh, Santa Maria. Oh, blanked out on the church. One of the Santa Maria. One of the Santa Maria's. <laughs> They'll come to me. Uh, Sopra Minerva, that's it. Oh, Sopra Minerva. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and by the way, Eli, our resourceful person back there behind this, the, the wall, says it looks like he was born Guido di Pietro, and then he took John as his name when he joined the Dominicans. So he has three different names. Okay, there you go. <laughs> awesome. I like Guido. Yeah. <laughs> Angelic was good too. Yeah. Guido seems like a like a big hefty like yeah. construction yeah. worker, not, not a painter. Hi, Guido. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, folks, we're talking about sacred art with Mary Hanbury, Steve Swanskowski here in studio with Roxanne Salnan. We're gonna step away for a break, but again, uh, check out the Real Presence Radio webpage because we want you to talk about this picture, the Annunciation by Fra Angelico. We're gonna talk about it just on the other side of the break, so don't go away. We'll be right back. This is Real Presence Live. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. Do you know a priest who has made a difference in your life or at your parish? One who has helped you through a loss, discern an important decision, or celebrated the sacraments with you and your family? Real Presence Radio would like to know about these amazing priests. Visit our website at realpresenceradio.com contact to nominate your priest. And each week on Real Presence Live, we will recognize one of our priests with a dozen donuts generously donated by a local business. Help us honor our fathers by nominating your priest today. Hello, this is Mike Kidrowski, Director of Advancement for Real Presence Radio with a creative gift planning tip. Have interruptions impacted your charitable giving? If you feel like you have less to give this year or are waiting until you get through these recent challenges, we want to let you know about some creative gift options that won't cost you a dime this year. For example, you could designate Real Presence Radio as the beneficiary of all or percentage of your IRA or make RPR beneficiary of a percentage of your estate or specific asset. Make a bequest commitment gift this year without impacting your savings or investments. To learn more about the benefits of making a charitable bequest, please visit our plan giving website at rprlegacy.org or call me at 701-290-4503. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Carrie Dew, the Executive Director of Riverview Place in Fargo. The blessing of our foundation built on faith and our sense of fellowship strengthens our sense of safety, security, and community. This is what the region has come to rely on at Riverview Place for the past 35 years. 
We'd love to have you join us. Call 701-237-4700 to set up a tour today or check us out at homeishere.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Hey, everybody, this is Real Presence Live. And as you heard in the very first intro of the show, we are talking about beauty and how beauty draws. Dostoevsky, Fyodor Dostoevsky said one time, beauty will save the world. And so we're talking about art today, sacred art especially, and how that depicts and really teaches. It's one of our, our teaching tools within the church. That's why if you walk into a church that is beautifully decorated, it's not because we worship images. Nope, we don't do that. But what we do is we like to be reminded of the theology of the church. And so when you look at a picture, if you look at it deeply, you're going to find something. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Steve Splonskowski here in studio with... Roxanne Solonen. And uh, we are excited to talk more with Mary Hanbury about this artwork the Annunciation, which, of course, today is the Solemnity of the Annunciation. And so we're going to look at this picture about uh, by painted by Fra Angelico. So if you have that up in front of you, pull it up on the Real Presence webpage, and uh, you'll see it right there. And Mary, if you just kind of walk us through this image a little bit. Okay, so let's take a look at this. So in front of you, you see, um, obviously we can tell this is a picture of the Annunciation. But... Something that was uh, a little bit different when the time of, of Fra Angelica came on is how he depicted the angel. So our eyes kind of go, probably the angel, and this it depends on the, the graphics that you have, but the angel in color really does stand out because the angel has lots of gold on them. But notice how the angel is, is lowering himself to Mary. Typically before that, an angel would have been shown in art high above, almost like swooping down or coming down to Mary. But this is showing the humility that the angel is showing Mary, recognizing that she's going to be the queen of the angels. So he almost does this Mm. bow down to Mary and leans into her. One thing we always want to look at when we're looking at sacred art is to look at what the hands are doing when people have hands. And so you see the angel's hands, one pointing up and one pointing at Mary. And again, that's to say there is a message there is a message coming from heaven, not me, to you. Hmm. Then we look at Mary. Now, she's uh, leaning forward. There's this um, acceptivity, or she's, she's desiring to know the message, and she has her hands crossed in front of her heart, also a sign of her humility as she accepts the message. Now, we notice that we always look at art, too, of like, where are the halos? Okay, so uh, Fra Angelico does these beautiful gold, if you see a real image of, of a real painting of Fra Angelico, the angel, the gold, it's gold leaf, it's beautiful gold. Um, and that tells us, obviously, that these people are holy, they're saints, so you always want to look for the halos. But then there's words, you, can, you might not be able to see them in your copy, but the angel gives the words to Mary, hail full of grace, and then her fiat as the words, they're actually upside down coming back to the angel because they're actually directed to God as well. Okay, so that's that's kind of the main gist of we see this is the Annunciation. But there's lots of other things going on here in the painting. So, Steve, do you have, like, a question as to what do you think? What's this about? What's that about? Well, so some usual I, I, things here. Yeah, the first thing I see is at the very top of the image there's an, something, you, I guess you would call this a, a relief, right? It's, it's a painting of a relief, but kind of an image in the very top of the arch there, right above the first pillar. Do you, you know what that is? I mean, that stands out to me because it's just like a, at the top of the picture. 
Oh, I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, okay. Yep. Yeah. So that is a person up there. Okay. So that is the prophet Isaiah. Obviously, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah gives us the prophecy of the virgin uh, birth. And so that's going to tell the person looking at this painting like, oh, wait, this was foretold in the Old Testament. Okay. This just didn't come out of nowhere. So that's I, our little clue there. I see something that I hadn't even noticed before, but like to the left of the page up there in the left, there's a halo. There's a little guy up there with yeah. a halo. Who's that? Okay. <laughs> so if you look at the left of the painting, there's this other scene going on. Well, if you read the scripture story of the Annunciation, it's just Mary and the angel. There's no people knocking on the door or anything like that. So we look up at the top and there are these two people and they're walking down a hill. Well, this is actually Adam and Eve being kicked out of the garden. Now, it was very mm. typical for um, during this time, but also Frangelico did this too. He often put um, Dominicans in his paintings. And so <laughs> that angel kicking them out of the garden looks a little bit like a Dominican. Um, mm-hmm. That's on purpose. Adam and Eve also look like they did some shopping before they got kicked out of the, op- uh, the garden because they got, they got full clothes here going on. Um, that also was very just typical for that time. But okay, so that's, and notice how small they are. Okay, so that's to represent time. It's not happening at the same time as Mary and the angel. But we have to have the reason. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. The heavens are closed. Original sin. Okay? Why did we need Jesus? This is telling the story of, of why we needed a Savior. Mm. Okay? Do you also notice, look above Adam and Eve. What, are the, what is the sky like? Kind of dark. Dark, no stars. Notice mm. above Mary. Mm. There's this no roof. That's actually stars. Okay? Oh. Because the heavens were closed. Before, because of original sin, through Mary's yes, the heavens become open. I wouldn't have recognized those as stars because the ones above Mary are completely aligned and stars are yep. usually scattered. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even the ones on the other side are, there's a pattern to them. So I wouldn't have, I would yeah. have thought that was a patterned ceiling. <laughs> yep. Probably, yeah, no, no. The other thing we can look at, this is really cool, but in the background, there's a curtain. Okay. And so. It's kind of odd to put in this picture, but during this time frame, when you would see a curtain like this in a, in a painting, it means that something is going to be revealed. You think about pulling back the curtain. Something you didn't know is going to be revealed to you, obviously here in the Annunciation, the Incarnation. And of course, we know it, at the crucifixion that the curtain in the temple was torn in two. Exactly, exactly. And of course, we have above Mary uh, some sort of a bright, bird in some shiny <laughs> yeah, yeah. who's that i'm sure everybody probably <laughs> recognized that is the holy spirit she is the spouse of the holy spirit know that so uh and actually this goes to when i pray the rosary thinking about what mary was doing when the angel appeared during it with the, mm-hmm. she's got the prayer book on her lap yes yes mm-hmm. because mary knew her scriptures she knew the old testament and notice the chair that Mary is sitting on this mm-hmm. is not your ordinary chair is it and she's got carpet under her feet very mm-hmm. unique um, that you probably wouldn't picture that Mary had this kind of throne-like chair in her house, right? And actually, the pattern on it, I just noticed this recently. The pattern on the chair is a, a, a very distinct um, Roman tile that they would call cosmonique from the Cos- Cos- Cosmati family. Um, it's a decorative tile, and they only used it uh, in churches, like in the sanctuary, sometimes on thrones, they would have this decorative uh, tile pattern, and I believe that's Frangelico was in Rome all the time, or in Italy. It's probably up in the north too. And so they purposely, he purposely wanted to make that a very special throne. The carpet is below her, 
um, throne stands out. She is the queen of heaven. He's getting that point across. She's not some ordinary lady. Also look at the, uh, the, the house structure itself. Does this look like a house she probably lived in? I doubt it. But yeah. <laughs> There's no door. I mean, it's all open for one. Two, uh, they have these uh, Corinthian columns here. If you look at the top of the column, the Corinthian was a, a Greek type of uh, column that usually they would use for female deities um, in the temples. And so the Corinthian became just known as more feminine. So that's why it's used here for, for Mary's house. But does it uh, remind you of then a temple? So if you look at the pillars and the arches, it's not a house. It looks like a Greek temple of some sort. Why would that be? Mary's the temple Mary's of the Holy Spirit. The temple of the, of, of, not the Holy Spirit. Right. Of, <laughs> the right. spouse of the Holy Spirit, the temple right. of The Jesus. temple of Jesus. Okay, so Mary's the new temple. So that's uh, very distinct there, too. And then we see the garden outside. Anytime we see flowers, the, the lifeness, that's going to signify, um, too, the d- divinity. Sometimes they use it for Jesus as a child, but there's life coming, basically. New life. Mm-hmm. So, Mary, um, what if some of our listeners find a fresco like this unrealistic? How, how, yeah. how do they process that? Okay, so there's a lot of people I'll talk to that will say, you know, I, I just don't, it's not very realistic to me. Um, I like art that, you know, it's almost like a photograph painting. But you have to think about this. If we, if we take this picture and we make it as realistic as it could be, okay, it, it loses something. Because how do you portray, if you lo- take out the symbols, how do you portray the mystery of it? How do you portray the incarnation of it? How do you tell the story without symbols? Okay, so, so that's one. How do you tell the interior without symbols? Two, every, all art should be, especially sacred art, should be a little abstract. Now, I'm not talking abstract art like you're thinking like a Picasso. Okay, so if you take what is realistic, so like take a photograph um, and paint that photograph, and then you, you abstract it a little bit, a little bit, somewhere in the middle, that's how you can depict what is the interior, what is the mystery, what is the Holy Spirit, when you start adding these symbols. The other thing is faces. So Caravaggio, um, and I know I've talked about one of his artworks on the radio before, he, uh, he used to use real models. So if you're going to do a realistic face, you, you need a real model. Well, the problem is, who do you use? He was using prostitutes half the time or people down and out in their streets. And so when you see something that's like, okay, I don't, that's not the Mary I picture because that reminds me of Aunt so-and-so and she wasn't even very holy kind of thing, you know? <laughs> and so they find this actually with children too. That's why children's dolls um, for little girls uh, are very simplistic because you can imagine then in your own imagination what Mary would have looked like or what this person would have looked like, okay? So they make the, the facial features simplistic, on purpose, so you're not distracted by it. That looks mm-hmm. like Aunt Mary, and that now it bothers me. You know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that's this style of art. Of course, there's many different styles. Oh, of yeah. art. Where sometimes yep. 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 the artists will use their own face as right. somebody. Right. Caravaggio did, did that too. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that part of that abstract is just to get more of the, to the meaning of, of the depth of it in the, in the paintings. So, what do you recommend? To, you know, 
obviously this is a learned skill, right? To go through this picture and see all these things. Yep, yep. And I suppose you can go on the internet and have explanations of right, pictures right. and stuff like that. But for, you know, the common person who's going to you know, go to church this weekend or even going to mass today for celebrating the Annunciation, as they go into their church, what, what do you recommend? You know, um, it's a language that we've lost, obviously. I, you know, I keep doing these shows, and I do a lot of presentations. And I, myself, am doing a, a sacred art degree, so I'm, I'm learning it. But I would say the first thing is to just go and look at the images in your church and start asking the questions. So if you were at the cathedral here downtown Fargo, St. Mary's Cathedral, you might want to ask why St. Patrick has shoes on, and he's stepping on a snake, and Mary doesn't have any shoes on, or nobody else has shoes on. You know, start asking the questions. Mary had, didn't have original sin. She wasn't going to be harmed by the snake. St. Patrick did. He needed shoes. You know, So start looking at the images and just start asking the questions. There's always answers out there. And sometimes if you st- stare at it long enough, you're going to figure it out. That's kind of cool. I mean, it's almost like a, a little bit of a, a scavenger hunt where you go to look at the sacred yeah, art and say, yeah. so what does this say about our faith? Right. Yeah, right? And yeah. as we pray is as we believe, and as our art is, is in our church is as we believe. So there's some meaning behind it. Right, right, right. It's all about learning. And as we, we said with sacred art, it's, there's, it's teaching. There's a right. teaching aspect to it. Right. You know, as we're co- contemplating this, this beautiful Annunciation photo, picture, uh, art, art, sacred art, um, today, I, I'm, I'm just, what's coming on my heart is to put it out there for our listeners to be praying today on this solemnity of the Annunciation. What is, what is the yes that, that God is calling you to today as you place yourself and, and look at Mary being approached by the angel and how life is going to change? What is the yes that God is calling you to? And so to kind of have that in your heart today and be open to it and pray about it because every day really is an opportunity to say yes to God. So what is it today? And so I just wanted to, to throw that out there. And then <clears throat> up next, we're going to be talking to two women sharing their experiences of the Redeemed Women's Conference. And um, we'll be sharing a little bit about how trusted sisters said yes to God during that experience, we're going to hear from a couple of different people that were there, Jackie Schmaltz and Andrea Salazar. So please stay with us, and we'll be right back with more Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 